This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, I hope uh, everybody has been doing a good job trying to stay off um, social media, not watch TV, not listen to the radio. Basically hold yourself up in um, a cave, a closet, a dark hole. Um, I don't know. Maybe your garage if you have a comfortable garage. Uh, because because everything out there is, um, well, you know, it's kind of annoying. And so I am here with you now with um, one of my favorite guests that I have had, and I'm thrilled that he's able to join us again um, to um, shed some more light on some of the Knicks' new signings. Uh, you know, some of the positives, I'm sure we'll get to some negatives, but um, we will be objective about it as always. And that is Dallas Amico. You've seen him on Posting and Toasting. Uh, Dallas, how you doing, man? Doing all right. Thanks for having me back. Oh, man. I, I told you last time, man. It, you were one of my favorite guests, um, <laughs> which you probably thought I was like blowing smoke up your ass. But no, it, it was legit. Um, so before we actually get, get into the, the nitty gritty of the some of the new guys, and I guess we'll spend the bulk of the time on Randall, um, what's your just like your general uh, uh, like uh, reaction to how the Knicks um, approached their signings after um, – Obviously, they they struck out on on option A. Yeah, um, I guess I don't mind it. They retained quite a bit of flexibility. Um, there's no, there's nothing that's like devastating. Um, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I don't know. I don't the the upside plays. So like, I mean, we're seeing um, basically we're just uh, running it back with the second draft uh, players again, right? Like. Yeah. Um, Julius Randle, Alfred Payton, uh, Bobby Portis, they're all former high first-round picks, um, uh, sort of like uh, uh, last year with Hazonia and uh, Bonley um, and, you know, Moutier and on and on. So it seems to be um, a theme uh, that we're developing. It, it uh, seems like Perry's, that's his thing, um, you know, and, and with the thinking, like, if I throw the dart at the board enough times, eventually I'm going to land a bullseye. Yeah, that's right. That seems to be it. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm sort of my my uh, impression is that the front office, now that we're starting to get like um, a little bit of a track record here, um, maybe overvalues athleticism and pedigree, um, and maybe undervalues IQ and defense. Um, I, I think that no. I think that's. I think that's very. I think they're absolutely overvalue. Um, like, 
I don't even know if it's just athleticism. I think it's more just like the guys that when they're on, they pop. Um, does that does that make sense? Yeah, I sort of see what you mean. Like, you know, uh, Kevin Knox or Julius Randle are going to have, you know, a game once in a while where you're like, man, if that was the only game you saw, um, I think, uh, 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 oh, what's his name? Um, Ben Taylor sometimes describes these. Like, imagine that, like, an alien came down and got to see that, just that one basketball game. Like, they saw that one, they'd be like, Julius Randle is the must um, you know, if you just saw that one game, um, so I can sort of see what you're getting at. Yeah, um, no, and even then you watch it up. I, I was Ooh. even thinking of this with with I was even thinking of this with Moutier. Like Charlotte um, was interested in signing him, and I was thinking to myself, well, he did have that game in Charlotte this season where he went off and essentially won them the game, and I think it was overtime um, back in back in December. Uh, and I was like, oh, what a coincidence that Michael Jordan wants to wants to sign him now. Well, I no, I think I think it's a fair evaluation, and yeah, I guess. Charlotte- Sorry, what were we going to say? I was just going to say she would have been way better off signing Moody than doing what they did. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Charlotte? Or, oh, or who? Yeah, they should have. I mean, infinitely better than the uh, massive Terry Rozier. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I saw someone on the internet today was like, or maybe, uh, was it in the, on the internet? Was it, I think it was, or, yeah, no, it had to be, it had to be on Twitter. Um, where somebody proposed something like, should the NBA step in and force Jordan to like sell the team? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, that I, I'm happy it's it's them and not us with Rozier. Um, yeah, I guess you know I'm willing to give because you know last last off season I kind of I don't even really not that I don't count it for Perry, but like you know those were like bottom of the barrel you know transactions that like Vonley was like. You know, obviously, they didn't have a lot of money. The Moutier trade didn't cost them much. I think there is more on the line um, now, even though these deals obviously could all be, except for Randall, can all be vanquished after a year. Um, I feel like this was the first chance he had to legitimately shape the team in in the image that he wants. And part of that, like you said, is trying to figure out the right mix of athleticism with defense and IQ because like you you know you can't win unless you have the right amounts of each thing um and I'll be curious to see how that how that all works out so let's let's talk about Randall um to start I here's my thing with 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 Randall my impression of him through um you know our four years in the league is or sorry five years in the league excuse me is someone that maybe has it in him to be one of the, I don't know, five best, like, I don't want to say, like, traditional offensive forwards because I don't really even know what that means anymore, but, like, kind of old school with a little bit of of new school to it. Like, I I don't want to put LeBron James or Kevin Durant in this category, you know what I mean? But in terms of, like, big guys who operate down low um, but could also do some other stuff. So let's start with the positive. Like, what do you think about Randall on offense? Um, yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to go to offense if you want to talk. Yeah, about we're gonna start with the good. <laughs> the positives. Um, all right. So I mean, I, yeah, let's uh, maybe let's start with um, just like his uh, scoring distribution. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
Yeah, he's not the sort of guy. So first of all, he's not offering. I mean, you said you said start with the positives, but I will I will begin with the negative. Um, it's okay. He's not offering really any floor spacing at all. So I mean, his he shot better last year, but even so, um, the only value you're getting from him standing around the three point line is whatever uh, value you get from him making or missing wide open shots. It's a great point. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, I've watched, I, uh, over the last few days, I've watched uh, probably about uh, maybe uh, six uh, games of Randall's all together. Um, not all, not just like six games, but like all together, about six games worth of um, his material. Gotcha. And it's very rare you ever see um, a defender really like come out and put pressure on him when he's on the three-point line without the ball. Um, even when he has it, uh, people aren't really worried about him. Lots of sagging defense. Um, so he's not really um, creating any space uh, uh, behind the three-point line. So what that then, means essentially is he's like, going to need to like whenever he gets it. If if that's the only way that's going to change is if he essentially shoots it every time he's open. Well, it's it's not even that he does. He's he's a very willing three-point shooter. Um, <laughs> when he yeah, true. You know, when he gets the ball, he's he's happy to, he's happy to release, um, or at least you know in the sample size that I saw, he was he was really happy to shoot. It's just he's just not um, reliable enough uh, for defenses to like. There was one game where they um, the Pelicans played uh, Milwaukee, okay, and the the defensive strategy was just let um, Frank Jackson and uh, 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 Julius Randle shoot threes the whole game, and I think they put up like together. Uh, or at least as a team, they put up over like I don't know, maybe like forty-five threes. Like it was an enormous number, and they hit like eleven or something. Yeah, it's um, not going to get it done. <laughs> not not a single like literally, they just would sag off, play in the paint, basically the um, the way that uh, Toronto was playing um, Golden State. Everyone except for uh, you know Curry and Clay Thompson just like sagging way off, using extra guys as help defender, the other guys as help defenders. Uh, that sort of thing is what you see against Randall, uh, or you see that sort of defense work uh, effectively against him. Okay. Yeah. And then, in, um, so what I'm thinking is, I have two thoughts on that. One, I, I wonder, maybe you saw it in some of the games you watched, does he, is he always just like firing away, or does he use that space as kind of like a runway to, you know, get into a position where he's a little bit more comfortable and and on the low block where he obviously could do a lot more damage? Um, yeah, he's happy to shoot, but he also does use it as as a little bit of a runway. Um, I think it would be really interesting, um, or I'll be interested to see if the Knicks use him a little bit. Like um, you see uh, the sort of JJ Redick uh, Ben Simmons pairing. Okay. Uh, in fact, the game that I watched just before you called in, I was watching uh, uh, Philly and New Orleans, and um, uh, Randall did a terrible job defending this. Um, so, like, <laughs> what one of the things that you can do when a when you have a player who's uh, not particularly um, a good three-point shooter like Ben Simmons, you can use them um, in DHOs, designated handoffs, to get the ball to a really good shooter like J.J. Redick. Um, and that'll require the defender, the big man who would normally sag off Ben Simmons, you know, um, and just give him space, to come all the way out. And so that can improve your spacing because they're going to have to help on the screen because uh, presumably J.J. Redick's man is going to get caught on Ben Simmons. Gotcha. Um, um, so it forces the defender out. So Randall did a terrible job. He would just like hang out in the paint, and Redick was getting open threes. But it'd be really interesting to see 
if you could do some of that sort of stuff with Randall on offense, have him run um, DHOs with, we now have you know two pretty good off-motion um, shooters in Wayne Ellington and Reggie Bullock. So it'd be pretty cool to see some of those actions, and I think it could be pretty effective, especially given that um, Randall is so good going downhill. Um, he can hold on to the ball some sometimes too, you know, um, and with having his defender um, at the level of the screen trying to stop you know, a three-point shooter could give him an open uh, runway to the basket or at least force help defense to come over. Um, and then you have an advantage situation, uh, which is what you're always aiming for. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking of like, I'm trying to imagine the most, like as we're already starting to talk about it, the, the lineups with which Randall, because he, if you, like you just said, if you use him properly within the right lineups, there's definitely a way to kind of weaponize him as, as maybe not the fulcrum of your offense, but like, um, someone able to do some different things, and I'm. I guess th- this leads to the next most obvious question, which is the other thought that I had before about him playing with Mitch. Because you know, obviously, I, I think if you would bet on it right now, they're probably going to start together. I, I just, I wonder, is he like, is he going to be a good enough passer to hit Mitch on lobs? If um, obviously they they go under screens, which they're they're going to do. Um, is Mitch ready to like take those passes? Maybe not obviously the lob, but like, um, as, uh, what do they call that? Like the short roll. Um, yeah. And, and be able to do something with them. It's like, I, I don't know if that pairing is going to be where it, where it needs to be to make that, um, functional, but it's, it's something I'm curious to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm really worried about, um, spacing, on the offensive side of the ball with those two on the court. Um, who would you like, and forget who we know is probably going to wind up getting the starts. Like who would you, if you have both of them on the court, which I think is actually probably only going to happen for about 10 minutes a game, who would you want to make sure that you have out there with them? Uh, uh, that's a good question. So, um, I, I was looking at lineup data, um, for, uh, the Pelicans this last year and for the Lakers the year before. Okay. Uh, I think so, um, man. So Randall does best when he has a point of attack defender who's really good. Um, just because he's so poor defensively, he's a terrible rim protector. Um, offers almost no weak side help. So okay. like, and here you can sort of see it coming out here. So um, when he was on the court with Drew Holiday, and it was not a small sample size, nine hundred eighty-six minutes. Um, the Pelicans were plus 4.6, uh, not a bad net rating. That's um, fine. Without Drew Holiday, when it was just Randall. Wait, um, I no think Drew- I might know this. Is it's cause I I looked him up when he was without uh, AD and Holiday, and they I know they gave up like some absurd figure, like 115 points per 100 possessions. So I'm I'm guessing the number is like a minus what, like four or minus five, something like that. Minus 8.7, minutes. That's not not a small sample size there. That's a, that's a 13 point swing plus 4.6 to minus 8.7. And then, so in LA, you saw something similar, um, with Lonzo in 872 minutes, they were a plus 2.5 without Lonzo and just Randall, um, in 1300 minutes, give or take, um, minus 3.68. Um, so I think really um, a lot of it has to do with defensively. Um, you just need um, a strong point of attack defender with him. Um, so, I mean, like Lonzo, 
Well, and then another thing, too, is both Drew and Lonzo are good passers. Um, and I think that helps a lot when you have poor spacing. Um, so, for example, uh, you can you can do some, like, pick-and-roll stuff, um, which uh, Julius Randle's great on pick-and-roll. So, I mean, the ideal sort of person you're going to pair with him in, in terms of, like, a point guard is just a really strong point-of-attack defender who can also um, adequately run pick-and-rolls um, I, who, do we have that person on our team? I, I, Frank can play defense. My, I wouldn't doubt his my ability. Theme there. Of, you, you just, I, I'm going to make this point literally on every. I'm going to figure out a way to make this point on every podcast between now and, and October, whatever, when we play our first game. <laughs> this entire season, I believe, in terms of like whether they'll be a, like a semi fun bad team or like, a, oh, they're not terrible and like. Who knows? Maybe the the games in March and April will still be meaningful. Team um, will rest on Dennis Smith Jr.'s shoulders because I I I mean I, he is not that point of, strong point of attack defender. Yeah, but he he can he we have seen moments I'll say of that where he's engaged and like doesn't space out for a few seconds at a time. Um, like he has the athleticism to be that he has, I think he has even the technique to be that at times. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him way too much credit and I I could be. Yeah. I, that's sort of my sense. (laughs) Yeah. No, listen, it could, I, well, I'll say this on offense though. Um, you know, it's the difference between him being like whatever he's been and, and actually a serviceable offensive point guard is, you know, becoming that type of three point shooter you're, you're talking about. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. Which who knows? Maybe you get there, but I, I think you make a great point that ideally we don't have, we don't have that, you know, that player. So then the next question becomes, at least in terms of figuring out the best pairings for for Randall, does Fizz try to do some funky stuff where um, there's not? It, put aside defense for a second. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to forget about defense for, 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 for a minute. Um, where there's not a traditional point guard on the floor. Like, do we think, is there a pairing where it's like, you, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to see that a thousand percent. Um, I think it would be really fun to have. Um, I, I mean, I'm not just fun. I think it's useful. So, like, if you're going to you're gonna invest in Drew Holiday, or it's Drew Holiday, I wish. Um, no, in <laughs> Julius Randle, um, the, with the way they did, you better be experimenting and trying to see um, how you can get the most value out of him. And I think, like, um, I mean, I'm not, after watching some film and reviewing some stats, I'm not terribly high on Julius Randle. Like, I don't think he can be, he definitely, I, like, I just do not see him being best player on a championship team. Oh, God, I no. I mean, we're talking I, probably six men on a championship team if we're talking, like, yeah, real Yeah, that's, facts. like, what maybe our see but like I, one interesting sort of, um, uh, I, I mean, I, I think it would be interesting to see him in a sort of Giannis role, um, shooters spread around, um, and just give him the opportunity um, to have an open paint and just be able to take his man one on one and see what he can do because he is really efficient um, when he gets downhill and he can beat most bigs off. The dribble, and one thing you, I saw a lot. Ha, uh, excuse me. One thing I saw happen a lot in New Orleans um, is just—I mean—they had just terrible spacing. 
partially because you have, um, you know, Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday uh, and Frank Jackson. Like, these are not guys who are spacing the floor for you. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Randall, right, and he's not spacing the floor. So teams were really packing the paint against them. So a lot of times, you know, I mean, Randall was really efficient at the rim, um, and he was doing that while facing two sometimes three defenders um, when he would attack the paint. Um, so it sounds so, like maybe there is a way to unlock, like if, if he actually does get to play with shooting, which again, I don't know based on this conversation so far, if there's really a, a feasible way to make that happen on this roster at this time. But it sounds like maybe he could even in, like jump up another level offensively even, potentially. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah, and I'll talk a little bit here in a second about um, – ways like certain sorts of shots he can cut out that I think will make him a lot better too. But the the real question is whether in whether he can play that Giannis role on offense. I mean, like they're I, they're not ready can, for it yet, but him and like him and RJ and like I, I don't you know, I don't even know if how much Ellington's gonna play based on how the rest of the roster shook out. But like him, RJ, um uh Bullock, Dotson and Ellington, mm-hmm. like you could switch everything in that lineup, which I feel like defensively maybe is the the wild card here with Randall. Um, just play a defense that just you know tries to switch everything. I think he he he's probably slightly better in that format of defense than than trying to like you know fight over screens and what have you. Oh, uh, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Yeah, but I, again, that's putting you know you want to talk about not putting too much on a on a nineteen year old kid in his first uh, year in the NBA. I mean that's that's put a lot on RJ Barrett. Um, yeah. yeah, but that, you know, but like you, you make a great point. Like there are, they, that is what this season, you know, we said last season was about experimentation. Well, to a certain extent, this season should be about experimentation as well. Um, yeah, this roster is not going to make the playoffs. <laughs> They're not, this is not a good roster. Um, so what you want to do is, um, experiment and see if there's any hidden value and try weird crazy things like do i think that randall can be Giannis on offense absolutely not i really don't think there's a high likelihood but there's some likelihood um and he i mean obviously he's gonna just be a sieve on defense so it's not gonna be anywhere near the caliber of player Giannis is in his wildest streams but if you can if you can get somebody who's really efficient um scoring the ball and going downhill like that and then you can surround them with shooters um, and Randall, I'm, I think I'm lower on his passing than I've seen a lot of people be, but I think there's something there. I just thought, could, he's not, he's not that willing, right? He's not willing. Yeah. yeah that's the thing. But he, he, sometimes he makes good reads. Um, sometimes I think his, um, he's a little bit slow processing reads and he's, you know, like he's, you'll see him like recognize that there was a pass open, um, a beat after it's too late. And then he'll just like hold the ball and take a shot instead. Um, but sometimes he makes pretty impressive reads and the ones that are typically his best reads are ones where he collapses the defense and kicks it out to a shooter. Um, usually in the corners, occasionally you'll see him get it out to the wing, but he doesn't really have a good sense of where his guys are behind him. But you know, that's the thing. If you're going to have that sort of like, you know, four or five out, um, with a, with a, a big dude who's going to just try to collapse the defense every time sort of offense, well, that's what you want. That's the pass you want him to be able to make. Um, the, you know, defense collapses as he kicks it out to the shooter. The, the more I'm hearing you talk, the more I'm thinking of um, maybe uh, instead of Randall and Mitch being the, the duo that plays together a lot, it's it's actually Randall and Portis, who is a bit of a, a, a long-range threat. And then 
what I'm picturing on defense is I I don't know if you're a Simpsons fan and you're probably too young. If, if I don't even think you were alive when this episode came out, there was an episode. And just bear with me here. When Mr. Burns went to the doctor and uh, they were trying to tell him like he's on the verge of dying, um, like at any moment, like uh, like if one germ gets through like this this doorway, like it could kill him. But mm-hmm. the analogy that the doctor used was trying to put all the germs through the doorway at once, and they all got jammed in there. Um, and what I'm picturing is a Knicks defense with both Portis and Randall on it. Um, I, maybe there's just such calamity that somehow it works. I don't know. Um, I, but again, I, I think maybe switching could could um, alleviate some of that. Before I, we move on to somebody else so we don't spend the whole time talking about Randall, what are the shots that you noticed that you think would be good for, uh, for Randall to cut out to become more efficient? Well, he's just a horrendous post-up player um he is like uh he averages 0.92 points per possession in post-ups um but 16 percent of his shots come from post-ups okay uh, and that's like the 48th percentile um okay it's pretty bad um and he's just i mean he's really efficient as a pick and roll man um uh he was averaging 1.34 points per possession which is like the 92nd percentile when he was a pick and roll roll man. But the problem is he only was doing that, um, about 6.7% of the time. Hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that is he seems to be a pretty unwilling screener. So I was the very first game I sat down and watched, I started, I like, uh, I wrote down, I have it here in my notes. I was like, um, haven't seen him set a good screen yet. Seven minutes into the first. And then I kept, I just was like keeping track and like, I hear, um, Four minutes into the second, still no screens. <laughs> and it just goes on. And like um, the fourth quarter, I'm like, hey, a screen. Um, so it's, uh, it, he's not really somebody who's um, – he's not getting screen assists. He's not really setting a lot of screens. So I think if you could get it in his head, he's a big guy. He takes up a lot of space um, to set good, solid screens and roll hard to the basket. I mean he's so, so efficient around the rim. Um, yeah, so there's, there's, there's efficiency to be had there, I think. Um, value to be had yeah I'll, you That's know I'll, yeah no i'll be i mean between him and mitch I, I don't maybe we could set a new record for front court pairing that slips the most screens in the league um you know who would be a great pairing with julius randall who like ideal oh i know who you're gonna say this was uh zach Lowe tweeted this out of the a couple days ago right oh i don't know i'm gonna say luke Cornette. oh Okay, no, I, well, then you are kind of thinking along the same lines, because he said Kristaps uh, Porzingis. Oh, oh, uh, no, yeah, no, no, I, I'm not going that far back. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 Cor- Cornette wouldn't, wouldn't have been, uh, wouldn't have been bad. Um, all right, Cornette well, is an amazing rim protector. Uh, oh, I love Cornette. I'm, 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 shooter, I'm not happy about that. Um yeah. uh, Whatever, we, we don't want to get too down. Let's, let's not talk about the fact that we don't get to watch the, uh, the, What's his nickname? The court unicornet. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, All right. If you talk real quick about Randall's defense, yeah. I'll say a few things. Huh? Is there? Let's just do this. Is there any positive that you could see at all uh, from Randall's defense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, great. What is it? <laughs> yeah, no. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. There's no. There's a number of positives. So when he's really engaged, um, he's not a terrible defender in space. He's not good but um 
so like there he has these moments where you see it's like i don't know if he he views it as a challenge but something turns on and he's like pretty he, he gets intense and he um he really gives uh uh effort so like there's there's a couple of um clips i found of him uh like defending steph curry or james harden um and did a reasonable job. He turned his hips quick, denied penetration, um, forced him into off-balance step-back shots, um, mm. both James Harden and Steph Curry. So, like, impressive sort of stuff. Um, so a lot of his problem. I mean, well, so here, I'll, I'll go through. I wrote, I wrote, I have my list here. Um, so, I love it. I love, I love a prepared podcast guest. I, I'm, I, I don't usually get this. No offense to my usual, my usual guests, but go on. He has poor defensive positioning, and that's putting it nicely. Um, just like he's out of position all the time. Um, a lot of it is just not being aware of who he's guarding. Like, for example, he'll be um, guarding Pascal Siakam above the break as if he's J.J. Redick, which Pascal yeah. Siakam is terrible above the break three-point shooter. So, yeah. like, don't do that. Or he'll instead be like, um, I don't know. Giving JJ Redick, uh, you know, literally, um, you know, like ten feet, like what you ought to give Pascal Siakam, and it just sometimes. So his positioning is just um, not particularly good. Um, his awareness is horrible. Uh, he spends a lot of time ball watching, and a lot of times his man will slide behind him, um, cut to the basket, and get an open layup, or will run around a screen or something, and then you'll see. Um, Randall will just like all of a sudden be like, Oh, Hey, Whoa, where's my guy? Um, so that happens. Um, sounds a little bit like Dotson actually. Yeah. 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 There's a little, but it's worse. It's significantly worse. Um, posture is defensive posture is terrible. Um, he's either often like when he's not in on ball defense, he's often either standing upright or bent over (laughs) like, uh, holding his like shorts, you know? Um, like, uh, he's always flat footed. Um, in fact, he bends over so much on both, both on offense and defense that, um, at one point I, I wrote, um, that he plays every moment of basketball, uh, as if he's a smoker who just got finished running two hours of winter. <laughs> like he looks, he looks like he, he's not like sucking air, but he looks like he's just like absolutely just beat maybe Uh, that's why they signed portis who i just i just read about his uh insane daily workout regimen maybe they want portis to rub off on on randall or maybe they want to combine them into one human being um who could play on the floor maybe Uh, but so so the the posture is real bad just bent over all the time or just standing up right um so he doesn't react quickly as a result you know i mean Um, all these things that you're saying part of me wants to be like this is what this is literally why God invented coaches, right? To whether it be light a fire under somebody's ass or correct these types of things or, you know, the things that coaches do. And then I think back to a piece, a posting and toasting writer wrote right after the season. And that posting and toasting writer was you. And he highlighted all of the ways in which, um, mostly the point guards on this team, but some other people too, just didn't improve on some basic shit as the year went on. And that gives me, you know, a little reason to worry. Um, and I, I hope 
that maybe because these are like handpicked guys and these are guys that this front office went out and affirmatively found and they weren't like just guys they could get. They were the guys that they wanted to a certain extent. Um, you know, maybe there's more buy-in, maybe there's more whatever, but, um, you know, so it's like, I'm hopeful, but at the same time, it's like, ugh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. It'd be an interesting strategy, I think, to like really, um, tell Randall, like, look, uh, you start, um, but the second I see you, uh, dog it, uh, you know, he has a terrible habit of like walking or jogging back to, down the court and his guys will beat him down for like easy layups. Like if you have like a Jokic style passer, we'll just like hit his man over all the time. Gotcha. Um, so like, you know, just the second I see you um, grabbing your shorts or dogging it, uh, you're just going to, you're going to be on the bench. That's how it, you know, you'll play as long as you play hard and, and that's it. I'd be, that'd be an interesting strategy, I think. Well, I mean, look, the one nice, and, and I wrote about this yesterday. Um, the one nice thing, well, it, it could be a gift and a curse. The one potentially nice thing with all the signings that they've made is it's not like if someone is dogging it and they do want to go that route, route that they're not going to have somebody else on the bench to immediately look to and be like, all right, you're in. Um, because, like, you know, say what you want about Bobby Portis. That dude plays – what we know about him is that he plays incredibly hard, you know, basically every second he's on the floor. Um, so it's not like there's not going to be someone there. Um, and, and you know, play Tom, hard too. I have a, I have a, a funny sense. <laughs> what's that? I said, I have a funny sense that Taj Gibson will play pretty hard. Oh, too. uh, you better believe it. Um, you know, so, and again, like we started off this podcast talking about like, you know, what, like what, what exactly is the thinking, like getting this particular mix of guys, I don't know how much um, credit I want to give the Knicks front office, um, but is it possible? Maybe they thought like, well, yeah, these are the guys that we're not only going to surround our young kids with, but these are the guys that we want to surround Randall with um, to to try Maybe. to – Yeah, I mean, listen, you never know. Um, all right, we've been talking about Randall for a while, and I want to – I don't want to go on for, for too, too long. Um, mostly because I have to go drive, uh, to the next town over and feed my in-laws, um, cats because uh-huh. they're, they're away on an Alaskan cruise. Um, so if my, um, not my in-laws, my, uh, brother and sister-in-law. So, um, if, if, uh, Angela and CJ, if you're listening, um, fuck you, I have to go feed your cats tonight. Um, <laughs> we'll not re- we're not we're not return back to the podcast. I, I'm kidding. I love you, Angel and CJ. Um, let's talk about um, Reggie Bullock because you're not not that Alfred Payton is not going to be potentially important, but like you know, we kind of know what Alfred Payton is. We know what Taj Gibson is. Um, we kind of know what Bobby Portis is a, a guy who just needs to to get his his stuff together on defense, but he's going to be able to space the floor and um, you know he, he's a he's a, a tryhard. Um, even Ellington to a certain extent, it's like good shooter. Um, actually before we, we finish up with Bullock, um, I know you watched a little bit of Ellington. Where is, what is his defense like? Because I feel like I've always had the impression of him as a guy who's like not good, but serviceable. Am I, am I off with that? I think that's right. Yeah. So he's sort of, um, uh, I think his like defensive positioning is mostly fine to meh. Um, occasionally he does some of the things you want to see in off ball wing defense, like digging, um, on on drives or, 
bumping the role man, but that's pretty rare, not particularly great. Okay. Um, but you do see him. He's a, I think he's, he's best, um, on like, tra- like trailing a guy. So like if he was guarding, um, JJ Redick, you would see him fight like heck. Um, he really fights hard okay. um, to, to get over screens, get around screens. Um, uh, he's pr- and he's pretty good at it too. He's pretty small, so he's able to get really narrow and get around the screen um, and and stay connected. Um, so that's probably what he's best at. But he's he's little, so you'll see him like in post up situations. He's not very strong. He'll fight, but he's going to give up ground. Um, okay. If he gets stuck on anybody like Jimmy Butler or something, they're just going to back him down. You know. Um, so yeah, I would say he's probably a net negative on defense, but he's not he's not like dragging he's not an anchor that's dragging you down. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. No, I, I, that's and that's that's encouraging. Um, which leads us to Bullock. I feel like the most overused label um, nowadays in the NBA is is three and D, and I it's I feel <laughs> like you know we look at guys like oh yeah three and D um, without actually knowing. Um, whether you know, like Robert Covington is is three and D, um, but that's you know a, a tough. It's hard to be that. Um, we know Bullock is is a good three point shooter. Although once he got to the Lakers last year, I I I don't know. Maybe he was partying a lot. Um, but let, let's assume that Reggie Bullock is going to be able to uh, find his his form again on threes. Um, defensively is what I really want to talk about him because I've. I haven't gotten a chance to watch um, really much more than a few clips of him. Um, where do you see his defense? Um, I I think it's in the same it's in the same range as Ellington's. Okay, um, neutral to uh, net negative. I think he's a little more active off ball, better off ball help. Okay. Um, again, so I you know I should give small sample warning. So like with Randall, I watched you know five five games or so. Um, maybe six games of tape with um, Bullock and Ellington. I've gotten through maybe like two, two and a half. So um, significantly smaller samples, but um, you see him also, you know, he's going to, he's going to fight hard over screens just like Ellington, but he's going to struggle to stay as connected. Um, It's a little easier to get him, get him off. He's a bigger dude. Um, He's still pretty skinny, but he doesn't do as well at getting small and getting over the screen. Um, uh yeah let's see um he does make some mistakes so like i noticed once um you know he definitely should have been going uh over a screen against um steph curry and once uh against chris middleton where he went under not Um, not not guys you you go under on okay yeah so those are those are like you know sort of mental mistakes um but he's definitely going to be playing hard out there um like i said good off ball help um, he recognizes where open shooters are. He closes out quickly. Um, when it, even when it's not his own man, he'll recognize, um, oh shit, you know, uh, so-and-so, uh, left his man open and he'll, he'll cover, cover ground quickly. He's, and he's, you know, he's long. He's like, um, uh, six, seven. He's got a pretty long wingspan. Um, does uh, he is, he, he can play like either, either wing position, right? I think that's right. He's. I don't think he's like really strong, so he might struggle against some of the stronger, uh, stronger wings um, defensively. Uh, but I think, yeah, he can play. He could play the three. Um, so, um, my, the entire last, you know, since they made these signings, and it feels like weeks, even though it's been like literally two and a half days. I, I'm. I feel like we 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 now have a collection of guys who 
I, you know, if, if you listed 10, um, basketball traits, um, on a, on a chart board, like everybody that is on this team now, well, all the, all the additions that we got would have like between, I don't know, four and six checks, um, probably closer to four. Um, of things that they can can do and then the rest things that they can and then there's all the kids on the team where it's like well we don't really know how many boxes they're checked because they're like 19 and 20 years old I, last thing before i let you go is like is there a lineup i know we talked a little bit about before with in terms of like randall being used ex- like creatively is there a lineup that you are like yes i want to see those five guys on the floor together or, or even, or even just like a combination of like two guys or three guys or like whatever, anything that just stands out to you in your head is like that, that makes sense to me, um, going into the year. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I haven't thought too much about what lineups I want to see yet. Um, just cause I'm, you know, starting to figure out like, well, who are these players? Um, that's fair. Um, but I guess I, so. I talked about. I think Randall needs a good on uh, point of attack defender um, to play with him. So I think it would be fun to see a lineup of. Um, and then, well, and another thing you'll notice is this lo- this uh, roster is just devoid of passing skill. Um, Who's the best passer on this roster? Uh, well, I haven't started watching Alfred. Dayton. I was about to say, even not. I it, I gotta yeah. think it's Peyton. I, yeah, I haven't started watching, so I don't, I, I can't tell you. Um, I got, I, I, we actually probably should do another pod later in the summer about about Peyton because I feel like the, um, he he's another guy. He comes with a reputation in some circles as a good defender, and then other people are like he's a trash fire on defense. So I feel like the <laughs> the truth is probably somewhere in between. Um, but let you know what? Let's assume that Peyton. And again, I, I did not watch a whole lot of Pelicans games last year, and he was injured for a fair amount of them. Let's say he's a serviceable defender, um, and and a good passer, which I think we, he's he's a good enough passer. So maybe, but he's also he can't shoot for anything. So then it's like, ugh. yeah. So I mean, what I was going to say is, I so if I if you don't count in Peyton, the guy who I think maybe is the next best passer is Frank. I guess I I don't think that's unreasonable. At all, uh, so I think it would be fun to see a lineup of like Frank, uh, and then maybe Ellington and Bullock, and then as like the two and three, or maybe you could have Dot instead of Ellington would be fine, um, and then Randall and Mitch could be a fun lineup. Um, that could be fun. I, like I think that. you can do a lot of stuff with so like Wayne Ellington and Reggie Bullock. I think you can do a lot of fun stuff with. So like they're both very good off motion shooters. Um, Bullock is just a little bit better probably than Ellington at that. Um, but Ellington does a great job, uh, uh, like filling the corner or filling the, yeah, filling the corners, um, which we really didn't have anybody to do well last year, but either way, they're both great off, um, off ball, uh, shooters or yeah, off motion shooters. Um, and they run hard off screens and there's a lot of fun things you could do um, you know, you sort of have like floppy sets, um, and having two, um, or even three, if you did a really small lineup with dot, um, Ellington and Bullock together, you could do a lot of fun stuff having three shooters like that. Well, Dotson's uh, another guy that I, I think, was this you that wrote, 
that had this piece or no no it was um uh, uh Tom Piccolo had uh, a a thing about Dotson going hard around screens on offense um and and getting yeah. in position yeah so, so not a very good shooter off screen. Yeah, I, that I, yeah, that much. But you know, again, he's only entering his third year. I know he's a little bit older, but there's a possibility maybe we see a little jump there. Yeah, I I like where you're going with that. Getting so maybe we look for like in terms of like for development purposes of of the young guys, and we haven't even talked about Knox um, to maybe look for some lineups um, where two of the three of them um, are on the floor at the same time. Um, I, I think that makes some sense with, with Randall potentially. Um, cause it, you yeah. know, it, it sounds like he, he would obviously be better served operating in space. Yeah. No, you do need somebody who can pass those guys the ball if they're running around off screen. <laughs> Maybe you can do some of the like JJ Redick, DH, uh, Ben Simmons, DHO stuff. Like I was saying, um, <sighs> like, so last year, this is, this is one of the things that frustrates me the most last year. Um, I think we talked about it in the last pod I was on. We were like, just by every metric and by the film, the worst passing team in the NBA. Just horrendous. I, I uh, know that only because I have eyes. But yes, I'm on. not sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I needed eyes to know that. I but, think uh, we might have gotten I don't I don't think we got better as a passer, as a passing team. I'll say that. I mean, Ellington and Bullock are both guys who can, you know, they're they'll be fine at swinging the ball. I think both of them um uh, it's like it's like a rarity when they hold the ball for more than like 1.5 seconds. Um, uh, they both just like so. Ellington, I have written down, shoots um, within two seconds, 78 percent of time um, of getting the ball. Just like instant. Also, we could go to like uh, January without ever seeing Ellington shoot a two pointer. Like that's a very real possibility. Hey, listen, I, well, I think did I do I, I I haven't looked at this stat in I don't know how many months, but I think there was. One season, it might have been last season or the season before that, where like eighty something percent of his shots were from from deep. Is, am I making that up? I... No, you're not. He just he just shoots threes. Um, and he's actually he's really efficient when he gets to the rim. But I think it's only because he it's like his only shots at the rim are like in transition, wide open, nobody around him. Um, yeah, he's I, a floor spacer, and that's what he does. I would say I would say Kurt Rambis is rolling over in his grave, but I think he's actually still alive. Um, I think is he he's like the head coach for Los Angeles now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's I, he is the like, puppet master. He is operations or something. Yeah, he is, he's Marlon Brando at at his Kurt Rambis behind the desk, um, making making people offers that they can't refuse. Oh, that's um, I'm gonna end with this. Um, I you're gonna owe me a beer if Dennis Smith Jr. shows himself to be a serviceable point guard this year. And I will, I will owe you. I will owe you a beer if he shows himself to be what he has been for most of the last two years. The the, the only other thing I think is this: I wonder how much. I wonder how much ball handling um, they will allow RJ to do um, in his first year. Because if if they do it, it's gonna it's gonna be tough, and it's gonna be ugly, and it's gonna be. A, a, a roller coaster ride because he's he's whatever he's nineteen, um, but I wonder if based on everything that you're saying, if it wouldn't just be smarter and safer almost to just get those reps in now. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, let me. I'll say two things real quick. So first of sure. all, I do not watch college basketball. So the, I have. You <laughs> you, you've been talking about like what's the best lineup, but I've said nothing about RJ Barrett uh, because I just really have not spent much time watching him because I I don't watch college basketball. Um, and then I also haven't included Kevin Knox because he's terrible. <laughs> uh, so, so I, I we, uh, we will so, not besmirch Kevin Knox of uh, this. Oh my God, did you hear what he said today? I think it was that. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he said to some reporter today that like he thought he should have made the old rookie team one of the old rookie teams last year and I, I mean I love the confidence I love the confidence but um, did you see um, 538 their Carmelo predictions oh my god what did it have for Knox I don't even, I'm afraid to ask Oh my! It, uh, it's it's a massive negative number. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I'm, that doesn't surprise me. I mean he was a no, 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 no. like, but they're projections, right? So it's like, um, like they try to do project your value in in dollar amounts, and like his future projection is like, I, I don't remember. It was some massive, like negative, maybe like a hundred forty million or something oh, like that's, that. That's fun. Um, I I am I am staunchly still a believer in Knox. I think. Um, uh, you know, I just think he played way more than he had any business playing um, last year. And the reason why uh, we – he, like, set such – like, all of the – all of, like, his terribleness was so highlighted because he played so much. And I guess my point is, like, never in NBA history before would a coach have allowed a player who was, like, that, you know, shaky on so many levels to have played that many minutes. Um, and this coach did because this coach, you know, obviously believed that, that was the best thing for his development. Now we'll, we'll see if that turns out to be the case, but I'm, I'm still a believer in Knox. We'll, we'll see how, how stupid he makes me look. Um, I'm a believer that some, some team might trade something of some value for him. <laughs> I, they, I mean, I, there are a few things that I truly am fairly, I'm convinced of. I think th- again, it could wind up being just the stupidest thing in the world. Um, I think they believe he is like a legitimate cornerstone piece, which I know your part of you is probably like turning over in your grave listening to that. Um, yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I, I think it, we're. I think we'll know soon. I think we'll know early in the year. Um, it it caused me to time travel what sixty years into the future, uh, die, and then turn over. <laughs> and then turn over. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a good place to end the pod. Uh, we, I said we'd go a half an hour, and we've we've gotten uh, much closer to an hour. So I apologize, but I'm also uh, very, very thankful. Um, you've watched a lot of film <laughs> over the last several days, and I appreciate. <laughs> I really, 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 really do appreciate that because um, you know I think sometimes we get wrapped up in the idea of stuff, and and I'm at fault as as of fault uh or at fault of this as, as anybody and and we we fail to remember that like you know it's hard to fit in imperfect players into um a, a system and, and make it work and make it look pretty so um now at least we have some context and that's that's good um anything that we should be on the lookout for for you um coming up in the near future uh, yeah, hopefully, um, I plan to watch, uh, a little bit more Randall film, um, maybe another three or four games or something. And then I'm going to try to write up a piece for posting and toasting on him. So hopefully it'll, uh, uh, you know, highlight some positives, but also, uh, go into depth about, about his defense. Um, so if you want to watch, <laughs> uh, 
some terrible defense. Um, I'll have some clips for you. I am going to be tuning into that piece as soon as it drops. Um, you better believe it because I, I love me some bad defense, man. Um, it just, it, it just, uh, I don't know, puts me to bed at night. You're gonna um, have a great year next year. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, that's the question I was gonna ask you. What do you think is is more likely that they are a top twenty? Uh, offense or top 20 defense? Offense. Offense, yeah, I think so too. I don't think there's any Although, uh, who's, I mean, it's going to, again, I don't, who who the hell is going to pass anybody the ball? I don't know. Anyways. That's um, a, it's the yeah. question. That's the question of the year. Um, it, it's going to be like Randall just, you know, willing himself to the free throw line over and over and over and maybe Barrett too. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you this. I'm going to I'm be in Vegas for Summer League. Um, I am... Going to try to find a casino that has a prop bet for um, Julius Randle over under, you know, some some points for next year because I am betting the over on that baby. Um, <laughs> he is <laughs> he's going to get. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to lead to winning, but he, that guy's he's going to get buckets um, one way or another. Yeah, just on the point about it leading to winning, um, I've, I've seen a lot of people uh, saying thing, you know, like pointing out his true shooting percent percentage of like 60%, which is really, I mean, it's a really good true shooting percentage. Um, and people have been like getting optimistic about it. Um, and his assists, when you balance his assists with the number of turnovers, um, and then you remember that another friend of ours and his canter I has was, also, I, I knew you were going to go this. Why would you do this to me before the end of the pod? Uh. Of 60% uh, in past years. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's great efficiency. It really is great scoring efficiency, but other parts of the game matter too. No, um, I, you're you're a thousand percent right. I guess my I, and I've, I've I have thought about those two in the same in the same context, which is and I I'll admit I was not pro Randall before they signed him, um, and I'm I'm trying to you know think the best of it now, but like I I think he he has more passing ability than Cantor ever did or ever will, and I think. I do think, despite the fact that he has been just as you pointed out, a trash fire on defense uh, at, through most of his career, and certainly last year, like like you said, there is a there is a defender somewhere in Randall that is like, you know, it, it, it within the bounds of passable. Will I don't know. Will we ever see that player on a consistent basis? But I think that is in there. Whereas for Cantor, I, I just I don't. I don't think that person exists. So I think that's right. Cantor doesn't have the tools. Yeah, yeah exactly. Randall, Randall has the tools. He just either chooses not to use them or doesn't know how to use them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll end on that up note. Um, <laughs> Dallas, uh, you're the man. Thank you so much. What, uh, you go by basketball robot on Twitter now. How, what, what do people actually have to search for to get you on Twitter? It, uh, Dallas Amico? Yeah, Dallas Amico underscore, or I think Basketball Robot also, as uh, I was named that by Schwinny Poo, another one of your guests occasionally. <laughs> ah, fuck Schwinny. Sh- I, sh- I shouldn't curse too much on my own pod. To hell with Schwinny. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I, gotta ha- I had Schwinny on when? A couple, I think it was a couple weeks ago. I, I got to have him on again uh, at some point over the summer. He's, he's the man. Um, all right, man. Well, listen, if, if you're listening to this and you're not following Dallas, um, there's... <laughs> There's no shortage of stupid takes on Twitter. Um, you won't find them from Dallas Amico. His stuff is – you might not want to hear what he has to say, but he his his stuff is smart and it's accurate and it's um, – it'll make you uh, 
a better fan and a more informed fan, um, which hopefully this podcast did. So, Dallas, thank you again, man. I really appreciate you coming on and, and taking some time. It's been great. Thanks a lot. Anytime, bud. And uh, everybody else, um, we'll be back with another pod uh, probably. Oh, we're going to do um, going to Vegas. How could I forget that? So there'll be some podcasts from Vegas. Um, we'll see who I could uh, round up to come on and, and talk some hoops. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I will talk to you soon. And until then, um, hope everybody has a happy 4th of July. Good okay, yeah.